What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 50 of Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. Half century mark. We made it. I did not think 50 episodes into this podcast I would have covered zero meaningful baseball games, but COVID-19 has thrown a wrench into everyone's plans, sadly, so we find ourselves here. I hope everyone had a good weekend. I hope you're having a good Memorial Day. If that's when you're listening to this podcast, it's when it's going to be uploaded. Hope you're enjoying times, probably with friends, staying socially distant. What did you guys do over the weekend? Anything interesting? I did something mildly interesting as I brought up my my YouTube page is back up and running, reviewing films, and in a couple weeks, probably closer to the release of the film Tenant, I'll be posting a video essay about the this little independent film from 2008 called The Dark Knight, about the legacy of that film. My favorite film of all time, changed recently, changed this weekend, believe it or not. It was always the original Star Wars films, changed just this weekend. Kind of a big deal for me. Probably not a big deal for anybody else, and like I said, I don't mean to come on here and, and self-gloss, but it's not like there's much baseball to talk about. Right now, the Players Union apparently has their own proposal coming here on Tuesday. They are moving at a snail's pace. A snail's pace. I mean, this has almost reached a a point of parody, honestly. Are are they communicating with each other via telegram? Let's go. Come on. Jeez. So, Pete, it's been... How long ago was it when it was announced that the Players Association and the owners were meeting up to talk about the baseball season happening. It was about a month ago. And we've been waiting for a month for some sort of announcement. This sport moves at at the slowest pace of any of any sport there is. I mean, Rob Manfred talks about pace of play, the game itself moving at a slow pace. How about how about the owners and the players moving at a at a slow pace? This is ridiculous to me. Come on, get something going, please. Yes, I am impatient. We should all be impatient. It's almost June. We haven't played any baseball yet. But I do actually want to talk about an idea that came into my head recently as I think it would be a nice little way for the Tigers to reward baseball, reward their fans uh, this season, if if there is a season. But uh, for the sake of this argument, let's assume there is going to be one. A lot of people are wondering what in the world is going to happen to the three-headed monster, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, and Tariq Skubal. Also, keep in mind, it's been brought up, and I think it's pretty likely if there is a season, there will be expanded rosters, meaning that if you have a 40-man roster, I believe those guys are on the 40-man. If not, I think you can you can manipulate things to make it so that they are on the 40-man. But let's say that there's a 40-man roster, or some sort of expanded roster that, that puts these guys potentially on the Major League team. There's a couple different things you could do. You could not play them thus avoiding the service time manipulation fiasco that so many teams seem to run into. You could start them every fifth day or every however many days, seven days with with the expanded pitching staff. Or my suggestion brings, brings us to what my idea is. I like the idea of these guys pitching out of the bullpen. And when I say that, I don't mean putting them in in garbage time. I mean starting these guys out right away in high leverage, quote-unquote, for a team that's terrible, there's kind of no such thing, but high leverage, late-inning situations, not closing games, but 6th, 7th, 
eight inning situations, having one of these three guys, probably all of them at different points, but you know, for each game, having one of these three guys come out of the pen, pitch an inning to try to get a hold or or preserve a lead or keep the game tied, I think would be a really cool thing to watch. Now, I, I know there's a lot of people probably a bit skeptical of that. The biggest one being these guys have never pitched out of the bullpen. To me, that that doesn't bother me. If these guys are legit pitchers in the major leagues, it shouldn't matter if they're if they're starting games or coming out of the pen. Now, there's the other issue of you worry about these these guys' routine. These are guys who are used to pitching once every five days. How will that be affected? Well, with the expanded rosters, you could make it so that they still pitch once every fifth, sixth day or so. It doesn't have to be a thing where like you pitch Casey Mize in the eighth inning and then the next day if the Tigers have a lead, you bring him back out for the eighth inning again. No, no, you, you you do Mize one day and then maybe you skip a day, you do your normal bullpen rotation and then you go to Manning and you position it in a way that these guys are still getting in work at the major league level because of the amount of games they'll be pitching in. I don't think you'll have to worry about them exceeding the rookie limits. Service time manipulation is one of those phrases I throw around. I, I know what it means. <laughs> I'm convinced but I'm confused by the process of it. And that's why I don't talk about it much. There are people out there much smarter than me. Probably the guy who previously hosted this podcast, Chris Brown, would would be a a better guy to contact regarding how that could potentially work. But I also think it would be cool because I think as fans of this team, we've had to suffer through some very awful moments over these last several seasons. Horribly awful moments. Some of the worst baseball teams in the history of baseball, especially last year. And we've kind of gone through it all under the pretense or the hope that we will get to a point where we will see these guys pitching their major league debuts in full ballparks, hopefully at Comerica. You know, we're looking for, that's kind of this coronation, this symbol of the future. Uh, Foolish Baseball did an unbelievable video about how kind of the the future of the Washington Nationals changed when Steven Strasburg made his debut. It would be a similar thing to that. There would be something, well, cool, also incredibly, incredibly anticlimactic about seeing all three of these guys starting their careers, starting games at the major league level in empty ballparks. There would be something very sad about that. And I don't, it's something, especially in a, in a year where the team is this bad, I don't know if, if it's something I necessarily want to see, but I do want to see them pitch. I do want to see them pitch. And I think it would be a nice compromise to have these guys, like you have them in spring training, pitching an inning every four or five days. I don't think you'd have to worry about uh, their routines being thrown off. You know, they'll be able to get back into the swing of things. These are young starting pitchers. So that that's just my idea. Maybe, let me know on Twitter. You know, I'll, I'll obviously plug all the social media accounts at the end of this show. But let me know why this idea might be a bad one. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a jerk. But I'm just saying, because maybe there is a, a massive, massive flaw. Maybe there's a huge fallacy in my way of thinking regarding the idea of having these guys pitch out of the bullpen in 2020. I'm yet to find one. If there is one, let me know, and I'll come back on here on Wednesday on Wednesday, and talk about that. I'm not uh, opposed to admitting that I was wrong, but it's just an idea that I threw out. I think it would be a cool idea to see these guys, just kind of like a tease, seeing these guys pitch one or two innings here and there, 
maybe holding down a lead or two, pitching in the pen. It could be a really cool, neat thing to watch. And they would not be the first pitchers ever who started their major league careers pitching out of the pen. I mean, two examples that were brought up on my Periscope the other night when I brought up this idea live, David Price, number one overall draft pick, started his career out of the bullpen, pitched some very meaningful games out of the bullpen, pitched in the World Series out of the bullpen in 2008. And the example I used was Chris Sale. Chris Sale, for a whole generation, is one of the most dominant starting pitchers of all time, began his career pitching out of the pen. I think he spent about two full seasons, or at least a season and a half, pitching exclusively out of the bullpen before getting called upon to be a starting pitcher. Maybe we could see that with Mize, Manning, and Scooball this year. Let me know what you think. All right, we will be right back. We are going to do another what if after kind of a, a little bit of a hopeful first segment. Second segment will probably be a bit of a downer. What if the Detroit Tigers won the World Series in 2013? Going to talk about that when we get back. Mima Remedies is a CBD company providing full-spectrum CBD hemp oil and flour. The company is owned by Michigan State alums and Southwest Michigan residents, featuring only two ingredients, along with USDA-certified organic MCT oil derived from coconuts, CO2 extracted full-spectrum CBD from hemp Organically grown in Oregon, where MIMA founder Brandon Denler got his start in the industry working with other Michigan State alums. To celebrate MIMA's first season growing their hemp in Michigan, we are giving Lockdown listeners 25% off at MIMAremedies.com. Full spectrum extract retains terpenes and flavor of hemp flour, no additives or flavoring. All products third-party lab tested, always below 0.3% THC. Find Mima on Instagram at Mima Remedies, Facebook, and at MimaRemedies.com. And if you go to Mima Remedies, use the promo code LOCKEDON for 25% off your offer. That's locked on for 25% off of your offer. If you're looking for high-quality CBD products from a brand you can trust, Mima is a match made in Michigan. Built Bars are tasty. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate nut flavors, 8 chocolate nut free flavors. It says so on the packaging. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. I had my very first one just the other day, the peanut butter brownie one. And unlike a lot of other protein bars, which have a little bit of crunch to them, these, they really do melt in your mouth. And Built Bars are healthy too. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy or girl. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Look at uh, something like the peanut butter brownie, the one I just talked about. That's 20 grams of protein. 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams net carbs. You can try them today, but we have a special offer as well. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. This podcast is sponsored by the audiobook edition of 24, Life Stories and Lessons from the Say Hey Kid. In this reflective and inspirational memoir, the legendary Willie Mays shares the inspirations and influences responsible for guiding him on and off the field. 
Widely regarded as the greatest all-around player in baseball history, the beloved Willie Mays offers people of all ages his lifetime of experience meeting challenges with positivity, integrity, and triumph. This special audiobook production includes a foreword read by Bob Costas and a bonus conversation with Willie Mays and his co-author, John Shea. Whether you miss seeing your favorite players on the field this season or are looking for the perfect Father's Day gift, 24 is the inspiring story of one of sports fans' favorite living legends. Buy the audiobook edition of 24 now wherever audiobooks are sold. And we're back. So like I said, first segment, maybe a little bit hopeful. It's always a bit hopeful when you get a chance to talk about these young pitchers that the Tigers have in their farm system. It's it's cool. It's 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 neat. It's it's hopeful, really. But uh, it's kind of come crashing back down to earth with some painful memories and and some good ones too. With another what if today? This one. What if the Tigers finished the job and won the World Series in 2013? 2013 was the best Detroit Tigers team since 1984. You had two All Star pitchers in Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. Scherzer winning the Cy Young that year. You had Anibal Sanchez winning the ERA title. Doug Fister as good a number four starter as there was in baseball that year. Innings eater, great pitcher. I loved watching Doug Fister pitch. And you had Porcello as the fifth guy in that rotation, future Cy Young winner. You had an incredible lineup with Austin Jackson. And Torrey Hunter having an all-star season. Miguel Cabrera, Prince Fielder, Victor Martinez. I mean, go down the list. An incredible lineup of guys. And you had a team that won 93 games. Started off a little bit rough. Bullpen took a long time to get going. But Joaquin Benoit came in and, and filled the closer's role pretty well. They narrowly escaped defeat in the ALDS. Justin Verlander dominated in Game 5 of that series against the A's. You get to the ALCS. You nearly no-hit the Red Sox in Game 1. Anibal Sanchez outpitches John Lester in that ballgame. Game 2, you get off to that big lead. I've talked about this game before. I don't want to discuss it anymore. Poppy hits the Grand Slam in that moment. The Tigers' season and the legacy of that era, 06-2014, was completely turned on its head because I brought this up before, maybe not on this show, but I they would have swept Boston. And I have a hard time believing that in the third World Series in eight years, this team would have made the same mistake of stumbling after a long layoff. They were better than the Cardinals that year. They had a better pitching staff. Verlander was pitching some of the best baseball he'd ever pitched in that postseason. He was absolutely phenomenal. Max was was dealing as well. Sanchez, like I said, nearly pitched six no-hit innings in Game 1 of the ALCS. You had Fister doing his thing. Offense was starting to come alive a little bit. Everything was in place for that team to win a World Series and, and have a parade down Woodward Avenue, and it's heartbreaking that they never won it that year. That one hurts the most. I know they made it to the World Series and lost in 06 and 2012, but 06, 06 they should have never been there. Not, not that that team didn't have a great year, but when you look at the talent on that roster, that was not some loaded lineup of all-star guys the way 2013 was. 2012, you had a team that, yes, was, was more talented than the Giants, but that team won 88 games and was inconsistent all season. They were several games under 500, like, kind of deep into that season. Now they bounced back. They were three games out of first place with 18 games to go. They caught up to the White Sox. White Sox fell apart. You win the ALDS in five, Verlander dominating there, but that team had been inconsistent all year, so as disappointing as it was, it kind of made sense that they got swept in the World Series. They got embarrassed, and that's a blight on this organization to this day, but still, it 
based on the trajectory that the team was going in, the kind of roller coaster season they had, it kind of made sense. 2013, they were consistent kind of all the way through outside of stumbling in the first half of the season just a little bit, but that pitching staff was absolutely unbelievable. They were the best team in baseball that year, and I want to talk just a little bit about what what would have happened if they win it all that season. And I think one of the big things that would have gone down is that when you win a World Series, your main goal is to make sure that you can bring back as many pieces as possible to your organization the next season. I think Dombrowski panicked a little bit after 2013. He saw that the window, which was very much still open for the first time in several years, was starting to close a little bit. And I think that's why you saw the Doug Fister trade and you saw the Prince Fielder trade. Maybe they trade Fister if they win it all in 2013. There's no way they trade Prince. Because Fielder and people forget Fielder and Cabrera were like best buddies. You want to keep Cabrera happy. I, I have a hard time believing that after winning a World Series, you would have gotten rid of one of what was this generation's version of the Mash Brothers. have a hard time believing that. So that means we never see Ian Kinsler in a Detroit Tigers uniform. The Fister one is is a maybe because you traded for a good prospect in Robbie Ray, who obviously didn't pan out in Detroit, but has since gone on to be a very effective pitcher in Major League Baseball with the Diamondbacks. So it would have been a payroll disaster. And also, if you don't trade Prince, he's the biggest contract. Him and Verlander are the biggest contracts you have on that roster. Maybe they aren't able to dish out the money to sign Cabrera to that extension. Maybe they don't have that contract on the books right now. Maybe, he, I don't think this would have happened. Maybe he goes to another team. And, I mean, this this thing, we could talk about this for days. This could snowball into a deeper discussion because if if you don't have the money to sign Cabrera or if you do sign Cabrera, you sure, you sure as hell don't have the money to go out and, and sign Jordan Zimmerman or re-sign Victor a year later. Obviously, they never had the money to sign a re-sign Scherzer after 2014. It would have been a completely different outlook. And because of the bloated contracts that they would have had, there is still a chance, possibly, assuming Dombrowski does leave in the middle of the 2015 season or kind of get fired. You know, there's still some dispute about that. Assuming he does go, maybe this organization is still in an awful position similar to what they're in right now. But I guarantee the fan base and the front office would be a heck of a lot more patient and have a heck of a lot more leeway because there would be a full trophy case at Comerica Park. Right now, it's empty since 1984. You have a couple American League pennant trophies. Who cares? You know, they, they was cool. They got there twice. They won one game and nine tries. Big whoop. It's the biggest what if in Detroit Tigers history. And I know a lot of people would say, what if they wouldn't have traded John Smoltz for Doyle Alexander? I, I don't, first of all, that trade needed to happen. Doyle Alexander was unbelievable down the stretch in 1987. And also, I'm a believer in a change of scenery can have a huge impact on a player. And I don't, person, I don't think John Smoltz would have developed into the Hall of Fame pitcher that he developed into if he, if he stayed in Detroit his whole career. I mean, there's a reason this organization went 19 years without making the postseason. They were ineptly run. So I have a hard time believing that even if you have a Hall of Fame talent talent level pitcher, that he would have turned into the pitcher that he became in Atlanta. This, to me, is the biggest what if, and it's the, it's the most tragic. Because all of the pieces, and I understand the bullpen was always inconsistent, but we saw this year 
the, the Washington Nationals, technically last year now, win a World Series with a bullpen that stunk. Stunk. <laughs> they stunk. They stunk. They won the World Series with the worst bullpen in the history of World Series winning teams. That Tigers bullpen in 2013 was better than the Nationals bullpen a season ago. Big difference. One of those teams has a World Series championship, and it ain't the one in Detroit. Tragic. All right, this was a, this was a pretty good episode. Hey, how about that, guys? It worked out pretty well. Longer than usual, too. <laughs> how about that? All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. If you have any questions for this show's mailbag segment, which we do every Friday, you can send those to LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. And please go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, and leave a positive review of this show. It would be much Much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day. Have a great Memorial Day. And go Tigers.